The lady in this story takes the idiom of cutting off one's nose to spite one's face to a whole nother level. Welcome, my mere mortalites, to another round of the Mere Mortals book reviews. My name is Kyron, and I do these book reviews for those who want to transcend beyond their own mere mortality to get more juicy information, to learn more about the books that uh, they may be reading, and get some insights from a different perspective. So, today we've got a, a classic, and this is Medea and Other Plays by Euripides. So, I am going to be pronouncing a lot of the Greek names wrong. Please take that into account whilst whilst listening in. This is the 1966 translation by John Davey uh, with introductions and notes by Richard Rutherford. So, this is the Penguin's Classics version. And this was written in between 438 to 416 BC. And I give those two dates in particular because there are four plays that were enacted in this of, of drama and mythology, originally performed as Athenian plays as tragedies i suppose you would say in a an actual arena with a or an auditorium with you know five thousand ten thousand people watching so the four plays themselves are alcestes medea the children of heracles also known as hercules and hippolytus or hippolytus uh, yeah not sure how that one is pronounced as well this is approximately 200 pages so it's not super thick and each pay and each uh, play itself is probably 30 to 40 pages because there's quite a few notes and uh, etc um, things within this book it's it's a play so when you're reading this you're reading about the actors the chorus the backdrops the props somewhat so even though um, it, it might seem like a story and which it is you you do get things such as this person enters into this scene or um, you know this trolley is maybe pulled across or the these actors are singing in this section as a group in instead of one person just speaking so it's a whole bunch of of things wrapped in and it's sort of it gives you the idea of what it would have been like to to actually have been in the athenian um, audience watching this play itself so in here the stories themselves they're related to the gods heroes servants and and they're relatively simple stories so there's usually only five to nine characters per se in, in each of these. There's usually a king of some sort. There's usually one, maybe two gods who appear, uh, servants who are also used as a uh, an idea of for how the story progresses. And, and it's really focused on the inner lives or like the moral decision-making that each character has to make. And so it's not about, you know, sword fighting and shit like that because, no, these were mostly oral dramas. They were they didn't have too many props. They didn't have too many people within them um, just, just based on, you know, auditorium size and how things were performed back in those days. So it's really focusing on the, the moral decision-making, I guess you'd call it. Now, who was uh, Euripides and why is this important? So he was born in 480 and died in 406 BC, so he lived a, a nice 74 years of age. And he had approximately 90 plays um, written, or so the scholars believe, but there was only 18-ish that were fully translated and are complete so that we know exactly what happened within the play, and these are four of them. And um, he was amongst two others known as you know amazing playwrights, I suppose, in the Athenian times, so the other two were... Forgive my, my pronunciation, um, 
Isicles and Sophocles, I believe. And he was somewhat radical. So he would take a different interpretation. He was pushing the boundaries a lot. And his plays, I, I believe, were what created the genre of comedy, whereas before they only used to have tragedy in, in these. And so most of the stories end on a, on a rather sour note or at least some sour things happen within them. Uh, and yeah, he was, he was a, a guy who pushed the boundaries, I would say. Now, let's get on to the first theme, and this was revenge, behavior that makes little sense. So, I'll talk a little bit about two of the stories here, and so if you don't want to know what actually happens in them, I'd suggest skipping forward. And this is uh, Medea in, in Medea and Theseus in Hippolytus. So, Medea is a, a lady who uh, falls in love with Jason, and she betrays her family, her, her homeland. She travels with him, and eventually realizes like, oh, this isn't what I was expecting because he uh, marries the daughter of a king. He sort of puts her to the side and he does this for various reasons. He wants you know, a better life for his children. He wants power himself. He wants a, um, you know, a heritage. He wants, a, he wants to create a dynasty sort of thing. And she uh, decides to take revenge on him. So that's one aspect. The other is uh, Theseus when he is... Uh, he, he basically his his wife the 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 queen she falls in love with her stepson so Theseus's son from a from another woman and this is obviously a very moral I'm not even going to say gray area a black area she probably shouldn't do that <laughs> and she has this internal um, dollar um, uh, inter- internal dilemma to deal with she eventually commits suicide to to get out of this. Uh, and she blames the the stepson because she wants to preserve her her good name. And so Theseus decides to take revenge on his own son uh, for what he believes is the death of of his wife. And so um, there's there's these two actions where um, he takes revenge on his son, and Medea takes uh, revenge on Jason. Now, how do they do this? Well, she does it by killing her own children and also killing. The uh, his father-in-law, Jason's father-in-law, the the, the king, and his wife slash wife to be, Theseus. He does this by uh, cursing his son, and his son is is exiled, driven away, and then killed by the gods because he used this curse on him. And so, very self-destructive behavior is what a what comes out of this. Revenge seems to be really self-destructive. Um, it's not purely self-destructive as there is another person who is being um, enacted upon. So it's not as if it's like a loathing depression of I'm going to cut my own wrists sort of thing that not that level of self-destructiveness, but it's pretty damn close. You know, killing your own children is right up there. And I, I guess the question is, what's their motive? Why, why are they doing these things? And so you would say it's to hurt, to hurt slash punish. So they're not doing this to, make the world a better place. They're not doing this so it's a, an example for other people and other people will learn, no, you shouldn't do these things because this will make the world a better place. No, it, it's always, it, it doesn't have the ultimate mindset goal of, of improving things. It's more a way of just getting rid of their own pain or distracting themselves perhaps. So, if you go deeper than that, why why do they need to hurt slash punish another person? It's because they got hurt. And so you could even go deeper than that and go, well, why did they get hurt? And it's because 
they got something wrong. They, they trusted the wrong person. Their perception of reality was different than what they expected, expected it to be. And this is where I think revenge is, is rather silly. How, how is, um, you know, your wrong view of reality going to be solved by you hurting another person? It, it doesn't really make sense. I feel it should more be a, an internal thing. So, you could ask, okay, how often is revenge self-destructive? And I would probably say almost all the time that if you looked at these stories, obviously the the two characters who had enacted the revenge hurt themselves immensely. Um, one man had to kill his own son um, uh, and eventually realize, oh, like I made a wrong decision here. He was actually innocent. Medea had to to kill her own children by her hands like she physically slayed them herself pretty pretty nasty stuff uh you could also look at maybe uh, other characters from uh, i'm gonna say mythology which is batman you know he what's his motivation he seems to be a very dark brooding character is it to help the world yes slightly but it's also because he wants revenge on on the people who murdered his parents or the person who murdered his parents. And so he goes into this world where it's, there's not a lot of happiness and joy going on in there. It's, it's a a dark brooding, hateful energy. And does it make the world better? I think that's up for debate, but there's definitely a lot of self-destructive behavior in, in the Batman world because he has everything. Like if he could just, if he could just let it go, he, could have a, an amazing life, but there's something within him that that almost wants the punishment in a way. You could even go into murdered family members. So let's just take like the Romeo and Juliet saga or the Hatfield and McCoys. It's not like when a, a, murder, uh, a family of family member of yours is murdered and you murder one of the other families back. It's like, yep, you know, wipe my hands clean. We're all done. We're all square. No, it, it escalates, it gets worse and worse, these feuds form. And so this revenge, it, it's very self-destructive because yes, you killing them might uh, what make you feel better slightly, but it's going to rebound back at you twice as hard. And you could even think about this with like neighbor squabbles. So, you know, this guy's tree is hanging over my fence and dropping leaves. So I'll poison the tree or throw like, you know, things to make their dog sick. And it's and you essentially create an enemy right in your own backyard and you spend all the time thinking about how to get back at them and, and you know, worrying about what they're going to do to you. So revenge to me seems a, a very silly behavior that, that doesn't make much sense. The other theme I wanted to jump onto was female courage. And so how did Greek women display this? And you might be thinking in back in these days, courage was only... Uh, was only for the men you know they were the ones fighting in battle they were the one with the muscles the swords the you know facing demons and uh people from other lands other armies creatures from the underworld and things like that but i really took out of this that the 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 females were the were the courageous ones in these stories and they were the ones who really stood out at me as as almost being more ethical and moral than many of the men even though the men were what you would maybe call heroes. And this was because uh, if we look at a couple of examples, so even though um, Phaedra or Phaedra, um, the, the wife of the, the, the king who fell in love with her stepson, 
she didn't go with this she it's not like she just acted upon these feelings of hers no she she tried to starve herself to death and eventually did kill herself so as not to to hurt other people to fall from grace in essence she she fought very valiantly to against these desires which she didn't wish upon herself i guess uh if we look at um the children of heracles the the maiden whose name i believe is Macaria, but it wasn't pronounced in the wasn't shown in this play but i believe in in other mythology it is um she sacrifices herself so that her other family members can uh can survive against the the tyrant the herald who was who's bringing an army to them to um for the the deeds that their father heracles did and for the king that wants revenge against heracles so he's going to you know try and murder the their family uh, his family i should say heracles family so she sacrifices herself so that her, her family can be safe and free and then we have uh, alcestes who takes the death of her husband and puts it upon herself in essence so he was condemned to die and he goes around whining to all of his family members being like oh you know why why can't can you save me blah 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 and no one wants to and so she steps up she volunteers to die in his place uh, and that is a immensely courageous action. It's like, wow, how, how amazing is that? So I, I think like the female courage aspect is it's more of an acceptance, a surrender, uh, a submission, I guess, if you want to pull it that way, rather than a resistance. So it's not like they're fighting physically with, you know, muscles and blood and sweat and tears. No, they're, they're, they're taking an action that is very scary still, um, and yet voluntarily accepting this burden that is placed upon them to create a better outcome for for other people i guess you could say so yeah it was a it was quite interesting seeing that aspect and my my impression coming away from this was you know the men in these stories i don't think really highlighted themselves as being the the virtuous ones at least at least it was it was at least an even playing field if not slightly tipped more towards the the women so some observations and takeaways before we get onto the summary. What I liked about this was there was nothing was predetermined. So the there seemed to be more humanness and more uh, feelings and actions and decisions that needed to be made rather than in the people in like the Iliad or uh, Odyssey or the Aeneid. So um, for example, there was no God backing the people saying like, you know what, Odysseus, like you're going to reach your, your country in the end. You just have to keep persevering. You know what, Aeneas, just, just keep going, man. You'll, you'll have some battles, some fights, but in the end, the Greeks are going to win. Like you're, you're going to do it. No, it, or, or like the, the Trojans are going to win. It's like, no, no. In these stories, they know what gods are there. They know the manipulating things, but they still have to take the actions themselves that they think are best. They don't have that assurance that, it's going to be all good, bro. Just, just keep going. No, no, they have to, they have to make decisions that they know will be permanent and they don't know what the outcome will be. And they don't know if a God will swoop in at the last minute to save them or not. It's, it's really, I think a, a deeper look into the, the lives and decision makings that the, the Greeks would have to make in, in those times. I felt, I felt it was more realistic, which I quite enjoyed. It was also a cool reading of the the setup of the theater and and I, I feel like it almost transported me back into what it would have been like being a, a Greek senator or a Greek uh, audience member 
looking at this play and seeing how how their their mythology was being performed on stage. I, I, I travel back through time is 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 kind of how I would describe it. And the only thing I would additionally add was um, this is one of those books where I would encourage reading the introductions and the notes afterwards. So don't don't get um, you can maybe read like the translator's introduction, which will give a bit of knowledge or ideas about how the the translation is is different and and um, why they took certain actions and why these words were translated this way. Same with the editors as well. You know, they have to make a decision of what parts would get cut or um, kept and whether, you know, this flows with the original meaning perhaps of, of what the, the, the playwright, in this case Euripides, was trying to do. But I, I would leave that for the bulk of it till the end because it can, it can give you some additional highlights. So I learned a couple of additional things such as how the plays were performed or altered in in different scenarios and why Euripides might have taken this action to present um, Medea in this very conflicting light. You know, she appears initially to have a very valid argument against her her husband who was leaving her um, after she did everything for him. But then you sort of start to see like, oh, okay, She's a little bit crazy as well, <laughs> and and at the end she she's she's not the good guy. Um, she's definitely not the good guy. So, yeah, uh, you know, killing your own children is is really uh, chopping off your your nose to spite your face, like I was uh, saying at the introduction. So, in summary, I think it's a nice way to learn more about Greek mythology. the The characters were way more relatable and definitely worthy i guess of the drama title so if you think about what was actually happening in here there was arrogant heralds there was family infighting there was you know near incest there was patricide there was um i'm not i can't remember what it's called when you killed your own children kinderside maybe (laughs) and displays of great sacrifice of love of of anger, of hate, of revenge, like it had everything. So definitely worthy of being called dramas. Um, and it's definitely, it's a unique format as well. I think it gives you an insight into the lives of, of how the Greeks and um, what they used to think about and how they their entertainment would have been performed. So overall, I'm going to give it a six and a half out of 10, Medea and other plays. What could have been improved? Um, you know, I, I think it was just the, the format itself. You know, I... It was a play. There was four of them. They were relatively short. It didn't give me enough time to really become invested in in each individual story. But I do myself really like some Greek mythology, and so it was it was a a nice uh, addition to the the Greek mythology I have read before. And so that is it, my mere mortalites. Thank you for joining me to this part of the audio. What are your thoughts on Medea and other plays written by Euripides? Is revenge always a self-destructive thing? Can you have revenge without any self-destruction uh, aspect to it? Were the Greeks women very courageous? Did you Who did you feel came out of this looking better, the men or the women? Uh, I would love to know all of these things. So the best way to do that would be to send a boostergram. So a boostergram is a message attached to a payment of of satoshis you can choose whatever you want to attach this is a value for value podcast so i do uh, these book reviews I, I put a lot of effort and value into these and so if you enjoy them if you get anything out from them i would love if you could send that back in a in a monetary form or also you know a, a comment 
elsewhere, uh, a suggestion for another book, for example, that you think would be I would enjoy. Um, if you think there are ways I can improve the audio experience, if you have any talent in in any of these sorts of things, any observations, I would love to know all of them. So, but I really do enjoy hearing your boostergrams, and I read them out always on the end of month recap. So, this podcast can't continue without your support is uh is how i would say that so uh thank you for joining me to this point and i really do hope you have a very summery greek afternoon or day wherever you are in the world chiron out